what are the daily habits that any pro athlete, or I would say, you know, Chicago Bulls player needs to have, uh, and work on each of those one at one at a time and get it to where it's consistent. Do you ever have so many questions and no one to ask, so they're just wasting away on Google searches you'll forget about in an hour or so? We had that same problem, and that's why we created the rd to be podcast, a resource for dietetic and nutrition students looking for answers that their peers don't have. We are students Macy and Emily and registered dietitian Carl Barnes. We engage in conversations and learn from RDs. Join us weekly as we gain insight into the unique journeys of registered dietitians all over the country. Welcome to another week of the RD2B podcast. I'm your registered dietitian host, Carl Barnes. This is our podcast each week uh, where we sit down with a different registered dietitian who uh, really just showcases the diversity of opportunity in the profession. Um, as we all come to love the dietetics profession, um, it's really to highlight that there is no traditional role. There's no traditional path. Um, and today's guest really highlights that, I think. So I'm, I'm really honored to have a face that is well known in the dietetics profession um, by many, many students as well. Um, so we're here with Jenny Westerkamp. Um, I'm not going to even bother try and put any of the titles on it. I'm going to let you kind of highlight what you want to highlight and, and we'll get going. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Carl, for having me. Um, yeah, like my quick introduction, it, it is hard because I feel like I have multiple identities uh, in dietetics, but I am a um, entrepreneur at heart. I'm the founder of All Access Dietetics, which is a website for future dietitians, and then also a team dietitian in my other life um, for the Chicago Bulls. And I've had a career for about 10 years in pro sports and then have been running All Access Dietetics for about 12 years. I started that when I was a senior in college at University of Illinois. Wow, so you're a very busy woman to say the least. <laughs> I am um, a very busy woman. Yeah. I try to stay balanced though. And I have a lot of people helping, which is a lesson I learned along the way for sure. Yeah. I'm sure support really does help make you, you know, as successful as you are. So would you mind just talking a little bit about, you know, undergrad, um, before you became, you know, Jenny Westerkamp, all access dietetics, all stuff like that. Sure. So in my undergrad, I actually started as a biology major and, um, you know, I knew I liked science. I knew I liked food. You know, I used to run cross country in grade school, not even high school, but I rem remember being like, oh, I should have smart start cereal and um, an apple before my race. You know, I just tried to, to do my best with all of that. And then it wasn't until I um, got into biology, knew I didn't want to be in pre-med. And so I'm like, okay, I need another application of this science. I did like food. Um, I also like Doritos in addition to healthy food. And I wanted to be a Doritos flavor inventor. Um, so I switched into food science and human nutrition, thinking that that could be my, my fun path. And then I learned about nutrition, more dietetics, obesity was huge back. I mean, it still is, but like, it was really a hot talk, talking point. And, um, uh, so that's when I kind of put it together that nutrition was going to be my my path. And then from there, I knew it was going to be sports nutrition um, when I was a student. Definitely. So when you were an undergrad, were you a part of, you know, your student dietetic association or something like that? Or what made you, you know, really go full into the dietetic major? Right. So at my sophomore year, I realized biology wasn't going to be it. And I switched majors at the end of that year. 
And then I, I knew I needed experience. I knew my advisor told me I needed leadership experience. So I did get an internship with a sports dietitian, Julie Burns, for um, her work with the Chicago Blackhawks. So I helped her um, that summer. I also worked in a long-term care facility. So I got a little bit of clinical MNT experience there. Uh, and then I was late to the game with the dietetics club because I was a transfer. I was kind of like an outsider among the, uh, the club. Everyone was very nice, but I just, you know, all those leadership positions were filled and I knew I needed leadership. So I decided to start my own um, club and make myself president of it. <laughs> and so I did that through this organization called Students Team Up to Fight Hunger. It was stuff for short. And you were able to make a chapter at your, your college. It still exists today. And I tell people about it all the time. But basically, we um, created a group that helped to fundraise and to volunteer for the local food bank. And that was uh, the leadership experience that I got. And then I got involved in research as well. I still like the science. I still thought maybe I would want to do clinical research uh, at the time. And so I worked in a few labs at University of Illinois, where they had a really so many resources and so many labs that I could participate in and uh, got, got a taste of, I guess, um, rat studies and having to help behead rats at the end and then realizing that that wasn't my, my journey either, but all great experiences. And I think getting that uh, diversity in your experience early on is a shortcut to knowing where you want to specialize and head um, in your career. Most definitely. I'm I don't think a lot of people would be, you know, they think research, you know, going through A, B, C, and D, not all the animal testing that is available right? Um, and that goes behind the scenes and things like that. So what made you want to start, you know, working with a sports team and then uh, go along to become, I guess, a sports dietitian? Well, I grew up with five younger brothers. And so sports was a very big part of my family's culture. I had cousins that played sports. It was just a big part of our, our lives. I was never that athletic, but um, I knew that it would be fun to work with athletes, people that were highly motivated uh, and would inspire me in, in other ways too. So when I got the internship with Julie in that summer, it was actually the summer before my senior year, now that I'm thinking about it, um, I was able to see firsthand just her, you know, what it was like going to training camp at the Chicago Blackhawks, the types of programs, performance plans that she put the players on. And I knew that that was going to be what I wanted to do. And, um, and then from there, uh, I, I still explored other areas, but I um, came back to sports because, well, she hired me uh, when I first became a dietitian. So she gave me that, that part-time job and, um, and I stayed with her for four years and, and really learned and understood um, the, the whole, I guess, there's so much beyond just sports nutrition, just even how pro sports teams work, um, the, the politics for a better word, I guess, like the culture that you have to work within, the different restraints that you wouldn't think about, can't use this sports drink because this sports drink is paying us kind of deal. So um, I learned so much from her and then I, it just kind of rolled into where I was, it was a timing thing. I ended up getting, staying with her for four years, took a couple years away from pro sports and then got a, a job with the Chicago Cubs for two seasons and then got the Chicago Bulls in my second season and then moved into that. Um, and, you know, in, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have had a gap and, and stopped, but that was just my, my situation and journey. Um, but I knew I wanted to always stay in pro sports. So I was, there's only two, two jobs that I was ready to take. And it was just waiting for those to open. 
Definitely. So what made you want to do, you know, professional opposed to like going and working at a college with those athletes? I just had big dreams. You know, I think my dream job was the Chicago Bulls, uh, where I'm at now, because I grew up watching Michael Jordan and the nineties championships and just really thinking that that would be the coolest experience, uh, to do. And, um, with college, I did have a little bit of exposure. My sports nutrition professor worked with athletes at university of Illinois, but, um, it's just a different type of role. So I, I deal with 15 players. I do everything for the team. Um, it's very diverse. Maybe we'll talk more about this later, but you know, it's diverse in terms of the food service, the clinical medical nutrition therapy, the nutrition education that I do. I love that. Uh, I think in, um, college settings and colleges are really different across the board, but there's many more athletes and there's a lot more food service involved, um, you know, fueling stations and just more catering and coordinating a food service for all of the athletes that, um, I, that wasn't, um, as much of a fit for me. So that's why the pro sports, I like the very intimate relationships that I can have, uh, working individually with players because there's not a lot of them and, uh, be able to really have a coach and, uh, impact them on, on that kind of level. Great. Well, I, it's good to know like your niche, like where you, you know, want to go and stuff like that. A lot of people don't know where they want to end up that young. So what made you choose to do Chicago teams? Cause I know you did your internship in Massachusetts. So why didn't you choose to, you know, work with the Celtics or the Bruins? Well, I grew up in Chicago, so I knew that's home for me. And, um, I knew that I, I wanted to be back where my family is and, uh, and do that. And again, the, the love for the Chicago bulls nineties, um, the joy that it brought me, I was like, I need to, I need to be a part of that. They haven't won a championship yet, but I was with the Cubs when they won the World Series. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I know you mentioned you had a ring with the Cubs, right? Yeah, I do. Uh, I can't tell you where it is, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, it's hidden. Uh, but yeah, that was really awesome. I was a, a, the minor league nutrition coordinator and then I assisted in the major league clubhouse that year. Um, that was my first season too. So it was just amazing timing to be a part of that. And then I was a part of that team, um, in 2017 as well. And then that's when I made the switch to the Cubs after that, or to the Bulls after that season. So what are some similarities and differences between working with a minor league and a major league team nutrition wise? Yeah, well, budget is a huge uh, difference. So we have to think more about budget and food costs at the minor league level. Um, and also, uh, the nutrition education, um, even in baseball specifically, uh, I had to do a lot of education where it was translated in Spanish. There's a lot of Spanish speaking players, uh, more so in the minor leagues. They only because they're new to the league or new to the U S um, as they get to the major leagues, they learn, um, they've learned uh, English at that point. So it's not as necessary, but, um, yeah, there's the language, there's a the cultural, um, uh, you know, education and, incorporating that into my, you know, what I'm, I'm suggesting to them. Uh, and then it, it would be the number of players too. So in my role with the Cubs, I actually oversaw five clubhouse nutrition programs and I hired a new dietitian to run each of those clubhouses. So it ended up being much more of a management position. I didn't have a lot of player one-on-one -on -one time, but I was able to 
oversee and create a program from scratch uh, and then really coach my dietitians on becoming better um, and more effective at their job. So it's actually a really unique role. And I love that about it. But then I was glad to go back to the Bulls to be able to be more one-on-one -on -one with players. Definitely. I feel like a lot of RDs want to be having, that, they want to have that hands-on experience instead of, you know, telling other dietitians what to do, stuff like that. So um, what kinds of things did you do that is like, I guess, similar nutrition wise um, for the Blackhawks, Cubs and Bulls? So what are the different like educational things that you had to do and diversity things you had to keep into consideration? Well, they were different. They had differences in terms of the, the population. Um, when you just think of like the stereotypes, I suppose, or the general idea of hockey versus baseball versus um, basketball, uh, you know, hockey, there's a lot of European, Canadian players. Um, they tend to be actually from a higher socioeconomic class, um, which I didn't really know or realize, but, but that was the case. So then they, they just kind of came in with a different food journey um, that they'd been on. They might've had better quality food or, you know, not being from the U S had better diets uh, in most cases. So, so that uh, they ended up, you know, being a little bit more advanced than you might have um, basketball where it's actually pretty diverse in terms of like low to high socioeconomic backgrounds growing up um, pretty like balanced there. But, and then mostly from the U S there's, you know, other countries, but definitely not as, as diverse um, as like hockey or even baseball. So then you have to deal actually more so with um, like, there's a lot of influence uh, in the NBA. I feel that in other sports with like fads and trends, um, you know, players asking me about the latest Netflix documentary or like what people in LA are doing to lose weight. And I'm just like, you know, there's, there's just a lot of like US influence, if that makes sense. Um, everything that our whole entire population is um, bombarded with diet culture, um, unrealistic body composition, uh, ideals, like that is actually pretty heavy in the NBA. Um, whereas it wasn't like that as much in the NHL. And then in baseball, baseball was really interesting because um, that's not as active, like they're not burning as many calories. Uh, their weight management is harder because they're not in season, like burning that many calories, except for pitchers and catchers for the most part. So you ended up treating these athletes more like um, normal humans if you wanted to assess you know their needs and uh, a lot of it was around like making sure they didn't gain weight as the season went on whereas like in hockey and basketball it was more about keeping weight on because they were burning so many calories so there's, those are just a few <laughs> random things that come to mind in terms of how they're different but um overall i would say they're similar in that everyone was really motivated I've, you know, and, and they just have their journeys that they're on and you just have to meet each player where they're at. I had a rookie that wasn't eating breakfast every day and you'd be shocked, like, wow, a pro athlete that doesn't eat breakfast every day, but you have all those types of, um, stories where they're just coming in at, at different levels of knowledge and motivation that you just have to work with them and keep moving them forward. Of course. So going back to working with the Cubs, did you have to learn 
Spanish or another language to be able to communicate those that like nutrition education or did you have a team that helped you with that or how did you work with that language barrier? I did did not have to know Spanish. I had a translator. The strength coach was the translator. So he would sit in on all of our um, assessment meetings and, and translate for me and translate my presentations as well. So um, ideally I would have been in, a, I would have been better. At, you know, I would have, if I would have thought that I would be staying with the Cubs longer, I would have definitely learned Spanish and been completely fluent. And I do find that MLB teams that are hiring now, especially for their minor league um, positions, Spanish is almost a requirement at this point. So um, yeah, that's, that's definitely a need. Uh, I learned a few things and I knew Spanish in high school, but certainly not to the level that was needed for that job. Yeah. Do you know the basic, like, I want to go to the mall or I want food <laughs> or something like that, but not, you know, how to translate nutrition information. So right. what type of nutrition education do you provide to these athletes that you want to make sure that at the end of the, I guess, session, you want them to take away from? My approach has been about habits and identifying what are the daily habits that any pro athlete, or I would say, you know, Chicago Bulls player needs to have, uh, and work on each of those one, at, one at a time and get it to where it's consistent. Uh, I also have a sort of like, a when I think about the habits that I am talking to them about, I want to make sure that there are three things. So I want to make sure that they're high impact, they're enjoyable and that they're easy to do. Um, there's some great books about habit science. Atomic Habits is one. There's others um, that are out there, but there's this idea that psychologically you can make a habit easier by maybe stacking it with something else. So if I say to a player, like you have to take these supplements, take them right after you brush your teeth because you know, you're brushing your teeth every day. So stack that with the supplement, try to make it easy, set alarms, do whatever um, enjoyable. So if I have a player that doesn't like to take pills, okay, we can get you a liquid form of these things so that it's more enjoyable for you. Um, that goes more with like food habits, you know, making sure that they enjoy the vegetables they're eating, not just scarfing them down and then impactful. So I'm starting with the highest impact habits first and then fine tuning from there. So for example, I might start with hydration. Like it's, the, the least exciting thing, but it's one of the highest impact things that are habits that a player can, can have. Uh, too many players come into practice dehydrated. It puts them at higher risk for injury, sprains and strains, uh, and it just can hurt their focus or their, their overall energy. Um, and so just coming with something like that first helps build the buy-in when they can see the impact really easily with making that connection of what, how they're hydrating and how they're performing or how they feel. Yeah. So do you think that, you know, going into um, the, these uh, sessions that they um, are interested in learning about it? Or do you think they're like, you know, the team has a dietitian that we need to listen to? Or what do you think their mindset is when you're giving information that will help them, but they, you know, may not perceive it that well? That is actually a good point to bring up just about the difference between college and pro is that college, they can actually force their players to meet with the dietitian um, to 
take the protein shake to, you know, and they're, they're going to monitor that and report their compliance to their coaches. There's a lot of that and that's allowed, you know, but in the pros, we don't have that power over those players. These players can make choices on whether or not they want to um, use my services or not. And uh, even though as much as I'd like to force, <laughs> force a mandatory, I don't know, mandatory hydration pre-practice, um, that's just not that's not the culture and that's just not what's going to happen. So um, I have found in pro sports that every, just probably with humans in general, there's a spectrum of people. It breaks down into the rule of thirds. Uh, the athletic trainers, strength coaches kind of back me up on this too. It happens in their area of work as well, where it's about a third really are into it and care. A third are sort of like wavering between caring and not caring. And then the other third don't care. Um, and even the ones that I would say like fit into the don't care bucket for me could be like veteran uh, players that just have everything already set. They've been doing this for 10 plus years. They have their personal chef. They have, they take their supplements and like, you know, I would just consider them sort of like, they're good. Like they're doing everything that they, <laughs> they can. Um, but then it's my job to make sure that the ones that are really into it, where I'm pushing them, I'm, I'm going hard. I'm giving them the majority of my time. Uh, and then the ones that are kind of in between, I'm just looking for my openings, um, whether it's, they might have an injury that comes up. Okay. That's my time to get in and like, tell them what they could be doing to prevent that or to recover, uh, or, you know, just, um, you know, any, any other like medical nutrition things that come up, food allergies, digestive issues, uh, maybe they're getting sick all the time, that sort of thing. So that's when I would look for opportunities there, but otherwise the, my, the guys that are on the spectrum of like, they're into it. That's who I just focus my time on, create relationships with and keep them moving forward. Definitely. So during your undergrad, I know that you said before your senior year, you started working with the Blackhawks, but if you didn't have that exposure, did you, do you think you would have um, eventually got there or do you think that, you know, you would have taken a different path? I think I would have eventually gotten there. I was pretty set on that being the goal. I used to print out pictures of the logos and put them up, you know, of all the Chicago sports teams and put them up on a, like a bulletin board in front of my desk. And I, I, I would like reach out every six months to every single Chicago pro sports team dietitian. And that's how I actually got the Cubs job because she knew that I was interested in working with a team. So, and, and I had known her for seven years at that point and would literally reach out every like couple times a year. So um, yeah, I think it's, it's all about like networking, who, you know, how, how you can show you can add value. I, th I think I would have gotten there um, regardless. I did have a couple other interests like in um, nutrition communications and like for a PR firm. I thought about that maybe as a second option, but um, but sports was always the, the calling for sure. And do you think that you learned all of that information, you know, from experience or do you think you learned it, you know, in the classroom? Oh, experience for sure. Um, I did take a sports nutrition elective, but then I, I think like on the job, real world training, you're going to learn so much. And I do think Julie, my mentor, she really trained me. She, she taught me a lot. Uh, she had been working as a sports dietitian for 20 years when I started working with her. So I feel like I had an apprenticeship with her, um, in that way. And it was kind of like the training that I needed, uh, certainly read a lot of books, got the CSSD, um, you know, and studied for that. And, uh, 
that those are all ways that I, I train, but a lot of it, I will say, once you get, and you start practicing and you, you get into it, you keep, you're keeping up with the research, but I learned a lot more, uh, just with like communication strategies, habit coaching, learning about the science of habits, how to get people to change motivational interviewing, all of those things I feel have helped me become a better sports dietitian too. Most definitely. And I guess going back a little bit, you said that you did a lot of food service as a sports dietitian, I believe. So what kind of things do you do um, food service wise? Right. Well, at the Chicago Bulls, that it's part of my job where I am working with the team chefs to um, come up with menus to make sure that the portions are what they should be for, for our athletes. Um, incorporating different functional ingredients into that. So having meetings, you know, every other week to go over those menus is one part of it. And then the other part is all of the away, like when the team is on the road, the away food service. So um, setting up menus for the hotel when they're there uh, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then food that's on the, on the um, plane for when they either are going to the city or coming back after a game. And then also, uh, I'm missing the, the other one. Oh, the arena food at, at the different arenas, setting up the pregame. And um, I'm incorporating specific player preferences of what they want, specific meal requests that they have, uh, as well as keeping the variety, making sure uh, it's executed well with the right ingredients, kind of meets our standards um, for portions, things like that. So we're really like all things food. Um, I, it, it's going through me for sure. Great. And then I guess transitioning. So would you mind talking about what All Access Dietetics is and how you came about that? Right. So All Access Dietetics started uh, when I was a senior in college at University of Illinois, and I had just gone through the process of applying to dietetic internships. And I thought that was unnecessarily hard. <laughs> I was like, that was just a lot more than I thought. I had a great advisor uh, and we even had a class on it. And it was still a lot. And I think it, the, the part that I felt was missing was the strategy, um, not just on what to do to apply, but how to do it really well, right? I think you have the instructions, you know what you have to do, but how do you stand out? How do you be competitive for, for places that they're getting a hundred applications and only taking 10 people? So I got into a really highly competitive program. I felt like I did so much research on cover letters and um, resumes and interview skills, everything that I felt that was missing for, for students. And so that's where All Access Dietetics was born. Um, it started really more as like profiles for internships too. I wanted to make it easy to filter and search all the different options and then help people get into them. Um, but fast forward now, oh my gosh, it's been 12, 13 years. I don't even know at this point, uh, but it's, it's grown so much. I mean, we're, we're just the place to be for future dietitians. We now still offer the, the coaching and courses to help you get into internships as well as future education model programs um, that are coming out. And then we help you pass the exam with our D exam prep. And then we have career development that that's continuing to grow where we we're um, doing like toolkits and different specialties. We have a real world sports nutrition toolkit for people that want to become sports dietitians um, and job coaching and confidence training, all sorts of things coming out uh, to help people like launch their careers with confidence. 
So you said that you got into, you were very fortunate to get into a highly competitive program. So what kind of things did you do to make yourself stand out when you didn't have the resources that we have available now? Right. Well, I mean, I, it was all about just creating experiences. I mean, everything that I did was not on a job board. It wasn't forwarded to me from my advisor. Like I went out and reached out to a hundred dietitians, like not even exaggerating and tried to figure out where I could get experience, learn more about the different specialties. You know, people just thought it was clinical and food service and community when, you know, all their students. And I was like, no, you can be a sports dietitian. You can work for Eating Well magazine. You can, um, you know, create food products or do food labeling and, and all that. So, and I was only learning that because I was just Googling like crazy and, and figuring that out. So yeah, everything, like I said, I had the research experience where I just emailed every single professor in the department. Um, I had the sports nutrition internship and the long-term care just by emailing locally um, the dietitians that came up on a Google search and then um, the creating the organization um, for the food bank. I, I knew I needed leadership. So I just went and, and created that. I think you just need to have a lot of initiative and realize that like it really is good. It really pays off to be bold um, in this field because people like, so it's such a small field and so many people know each other that the, the more you reach out, the more you put your name out there, um, the better it will be. Definitely. I think, you know, self-branding is something that a lot of students are too shy and too timid to do. They don't want to reach out to people in fear of being, you know, annoying or bothering them. But that's how we do get these opportunities, just because, like you said, we're not going to get stuff through our advisors' emails all the time. We have to create these opportunities for ourselves. Yeah. And I do think just one quick point is that when, because I get a lot of emails from students and I'm actually coaching them like, okay, don't email me like this, you know, in the nicest way, like, don't just ask, can I shadow you? Can I learn from you? I'm, I want to learn what, you know, what you do. It's all, it's a little bit too like, give, 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 give me your time, give me your knowledge and all that. When I reached out to Julie Burns for my internship, for example, I was all about what I can give to her. Hey, I know uh, I'm really organized. I actually had this office management job, which I did in high school, and I, I could help you run your the back end of your private practice. I'm really good at um, cre creative design of, of graphics. I could help you make signs for the Blackhawks. Um, you know, I just took this sports nutrition class. I feel like I could help with the latest research. Um, for, for your athletes. So it was all, and I even said like, I'll also walk your dog and I'll babysit your triplets. She had three kids, uh, triplets. And so I, that whole email was about how I can give her value. Uh, and I think that's what will catch people's attention more so than can I shadow you? Can I take your time and not give you anything back for it <laughs> to a busy dietitian? That's a really hard sell. For sure. I'm yeah, so I note, also noticed that on your website, you have free toolkits for dietetic internships and then pass on the RD exam. So what do those toolkits look like from your perspective? Yeah, these are amazing free resources. Um, the dietetic internships toolkit is great for anyone that's looking to apply to either internships or future education model programs. Uh, they are just a sampling of free resources, webinars, checklists, um, things that we just think are really high value and give you an idea of what it's like to work with us, either with our Get Matched course um, or our, 
uh, application coaching, like get match coaching or future education model coaching. Um, we've had, gosh, thousands of people that get that every year and um, just highly valuable free information. So that's one of them. And then the other one is the RD exam toolkit for anyone getting ready to uh, study for the RD exam. Same idea, just high value, free um, study sheets, checklists, how to create your study calendar, uh, videos on mistakes people make that prevent them from passing and um, completely free, downloaded by thousands of people each year and uh, just really, really great content to take advantage of. So what do you think the most rewarding part of creating All Access Dietetics was or is? Well, it really is the impact. Um, I kind of have big dreams to impact the whole field, you know, like why, why stop with future dietitians? Although I do think making confident dietitians early on will impact our fields in the long run. Um, I think that's kind of the underlying theme of our coaching is we just want people to feel empowered and confident and do hard things. And, you know, even if they need help or support during that time, that confidence will grow from, from that experience and from that coaching. So, um, you know, it's the impact. It's just this idea that we know how many people we get that use our site. We know it's almost all of the future dietitians. And that just makes me super happy to know that um, this field is, is that impacted. And um, hopefully we'll have some big things in the future. I don't have anything to share at this point, but um, working on just how can we elevate the profession so that we can elevate our impact on, on the world and on um, you know, people through, new, through good nutrition, so. How did you, you know, you started this program when you were in, when you were a senior in college, probably not that big of a following. How did you get it to where it is now? Not giving up, you know, I, I think like four years ago, I almost gave up on it because I was sort of spinning my wheels. Um, you know, I was bringing in a, a revenue that, you know, was, was good, was fine, but I was burning myself out, you know, trying to work on it all the time in addition to my full-time job and my career in sports. So it was really uh, two things, which, uh, you know, not giving up in the first eight years was huge. I learned so much. I honestly wouldn't take that away because I just became a stronger business owner and learned more about the field and like the, the audience. But um, I did get a business coach in uh, year eight that really helped turn around the business and helped me grow it and scale it beyond just myself. Um, and then I brought on a team of five people plus um, eight coaches, four tutors and like five contractors. And I'm just growing it um, in that way. So it's, it's not just about me and the amount of time I can put in, into it. And so that's been what's really helped, um, helped allow it to grow so much and to create more impact. It's pretty awesome hearing you say, you know, we all read behind the scenes, there's so much going on, but we as students don't know all the hard work you put into it. And we're just thinking, you know, she was successful. She launched it. She's doing phenomenal things, but it's awesome to be able to hear that, you know, you hired a coach to help you because you weren't where you wanted to be and you wanted to, you know, set it apart from other programs that could be coming up. So I think it's really important for students to hear that no matter how, I don't want to say successful someone looks from the outside, you don't know all the behind the scenes stuff that you really put into it to make All Access so successful. Yeah, yeah. There were some dark years, you know, <laughs> like I've, I'm, you know, everything was fine, like no, no big deal. But there were some years where I know I was working 
really hard on it, but not the in the right way. So there's just a lot of strategy that goes into how a business owner uses their time and energy, what they're focusing on. Um, are they tracking things? I, you know, I wasn't tracking data. I didn't know my finance finances really well of like profit and um, expenses and all those basics. I was just trying to learn it as I went, but it wasn't until I got the expert advice that I finally was like, okay, like I, there was things I needed to still learn. There's, I, I could self-teach only so far. And I think it's good to self-teach and figure it out. Obviously people can't afford coaches right off the bat all the time, but as soon as you can afford expert help, um, it will always pay off. I, you know, as long as you're willing to do the work. So definitely. So I'm, so I guess all access, would you consider that a job? Would you consider it a hobby? What would you classify that as? I know it's like, it's so fun. It doesn't feel like work, right? That's like the cliche thing, but that's definitely my full-time number one job. And then I honestly, sports nutrition feels more like the hobby um, at this point. It's 15 hours a week that I do at the Bulls. That's only in season. So um, to me, that's like kind of the fun, you know, I do that to stay practicing still and keep my foot in the door. And it, it is really fun. There's a lot of perks. Um, just to be able to go to games or bring friends to games, so stuff like that. So that's more the hobby and keeps it uh, keeps it fun. So how do you balance both of those? You know, you say all access takes up a lot of your time, 15 hours a week in season for the Bulls. How do you be able to take care of the Bulls, yourself, and all access without burning out? Yeah, I almost did. I mean, I probably did burn out like three times in the first 10 years, <laughs> just like kept recovering back from that. Um, but no, it just, uh, it was just bringing on the team. I have a great director of operations now. Her name's Susan at All Access, who I could actually take a vacation day and she can completely run the business. So, um, and yeah, I have coaches now. I don't see clients anymore personally. So that's really helped like free up, like make my time more flexible. Uh, and, um, that's, and then, yeah, even with the bulls that that can be flexible too, because I can choose, you know, if I want to come in a practice day or a shoot around day, I can kind of like tweak my, my schedule in that way as well. So I think just the flexibility of, of both has allowed it to kind of fit. And then, um, uh, yeah, I just have really, I've really mastered my time management. I think I'm, I'm kind of an excellent calendar block schedule type person. I stick to it. I just have a lot of discipline around um, getting things done that I say I'm going to get done for my business. And that's just taken, you know, a decade plus of, of doing that and um, always staying motivated. So I just feel like those skills have come and that's how it's been able to work out. So did you always have that, you know, Google calendar blocking your time out or was that something you learned over time? I learned it over time. Um, I, I've read a lot around how a like to-do lists don't really work. And this idea that you, it'll just like overwhelm you and make you feel like you didn't accomplish anything or you'll do just the easy things first on the to-do list. So yeah, it was certainly, again, not doing the right things or spending the right time or right energy uh, on my business. And so once I was more clear about like my role, the growth, the direction of everything, um, it became more clear, like what I had to do each week and to, to reach my goals. So it, it, as long as you have like that clear vision and then can break it down realistically, um, into your calendar, then that's the way to do it. 
Great. And I guess we'll finish up with what it, what kind of advice do you have for students that, you know, are very lost in this process? They're about to apply for internships. You know, advisors are super busy because there isn't only one student to one advisor. So what kind of advice would you have for us? Well, stay calm, you know, like a lot of people use a lot of energy just worrying about um, the process and not actually doing anything about it. So um, you definitely want to have a calm mindset and um, kind of break things down one at a time. So I think like, especially with the application process, um, even when we're working with our coaching clients, you know, we tell them like, we will tell you when you need to worry or think about certain components. You do not need to think about references right now. All you need to think about is program research, right? Or whatever it is, whatever the topic is. I think if you just break it down and then you outline that or timeline that out over the course of, you know, now until your deadline, um, it can make it more manageable. Um, so yeah, don't stay calm. Don't freak out. Take one thing at a time. Uh, and then of course, use all of your resources free or paid. Um, you know, the more you invest into the process, I think the more you'll get out of it. Like we've had people that would invest in coaching so that they could get matched to a VA dietetic internship that was paid, you know? And I think, um, just thinking about that, like, how can I invest or invest my time or, or get these free resources to, um, then have them pay off in a really strategic way. Uh, so yeah, that would be it. And finally, like start early on everything. It's never too early <laughs> to start. Half of our coaching clients start in the summer for the February deadline. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking time out. As we said in the beginning, you're a very busy woman. So I'm happy you have flexibility, but we know you have a lot on your plate. So I do appreciate, you know, you taking time out to talk to us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And good luck with the rest of the podcast. Thank you so much. I think the, you nailed it with the amount of energy spent just worrying for no sake from dietetic students can probably change the world. So hopefully we can harness that someday. But thanks again for taking time to to be here with us. And for those listening, uh, tune in each week. Um, Every Sunday, we drop a new awesome interview. So thank you so much. Thank you.